Hello, this is Pastor Trent. I want to welcome you to the Mountain Home Church, the Nazarene Sermon Podcast. We are thrilled that you are tuning in to hear sermons from our ministries here at our church. It is our hope that the Spirit of Christ would be present with you as you listen today. I do want to take just a moment to invite you to reach out and connect with us. On our website, we have a way for you to do just that. You can visit www.mhnazarene.org slash connect and fill out a very brief form. There's a spot to leave contact info, ask questions, and even to request prayer. Also, be sure to indicate that you listen to us through our SoundCloud podcast to let us know where you're listening. May the Lord be with you this day. Grace and peace to you. Well, Christmas is officially over. Okay, not not really safe to to tear down the Christmas lights off off the house. Like they're they're too cold. And it's too icy up on on my roof anyway. Um, but uh, we have passed through the season of Christmas tide on the on the Christian calendar. Um, uh, the official end of Christmas tide uh, was this past Thursday when we had Epiphany. Um, that lands on, on January 6th every year. Um, and I love that epiphany also has become this English word, right? What do we say? We had an epiphany, right? I looked it up. Google told me what the meaning of it is. It says a, an experience of a sudden and striking realization. So epiphany is the day when, when the wise men came um, and found Jesus. That's when we, we celebrate that and recognize that event um, in the church calendar year. Wise men from the east went to the nation of Israel and expecting to find a king, where did they go? Went to Jerusalem, right? Went to Jerusalem and asked King, King Herod, uh, a power-hungry, jealous political leader, where's this one to be born, the king of the Jews? Well, Herod, Herod kind of flipped out and went to, went to the religious folks and said, where, where is this, this leader supposed to be born? Where is, this, where is he supposed to emerge? Um, and they were sent back to Bethlehem, right, to find the child. And having an epiphany, I think the wise men decided not to go back to Herod to report what they had found, instead headed home by a different route. Well, that is the, that's, that's the essence of Christmas tide. That's the essence of what we celebrate at Christmas. The baby Jesus is found, for we find Jesus and we worship him there. Amen? Amen. And so uh, it's, it's, a, it's a good season. Christmas is a good season, one that we kind of hold on to and cling to um, as, long as, as long as we can. Um, as I announced a little bit earlier, on Wednesday we're starting a class on common Old Testament misconceptions or, or misunderstandings, sometimes the ways that we, we mistreat the Old Testament. Um, and so for much of this next season of the church calendar year, um, I'm going to be taking um, much of my sermon texts from the Old Testament, uh, from the lectionary readings. Um, and so in, in class we'll have plenty of content to talk about. <laughs> uh, Trent, did you do that this past week? I don't think I did. Um, and so, anyway, sometimes the best examples are the ones that we live, right? So today, as we turn to the lectionary text, it steers us to the book of Isaiah. I invite you to open your Bibles and turn to Isaiah chapter 43, or if you have a device that points you towards Scripture, um, please uh, 
open it to Isaiah uh, chapter 43 as we read today, um, verses 1 through 7. For those who are willing and able, would you please stand out of reverence for the reading of God's Word this morning as I read from Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 through 7 from the Common English Bible. But now, says the Lord, the one who created you, Jacob, the one who formed you, Israel, don't fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, and you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When through the, when through the rivers, they won't sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you won't be scorched, and flame won't burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I have given Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba in your place, because you are precious in my eyes. You are honored, and I love you. I give people in your place and nations in exchange for your life. Don't fear. I am with you. From the east, I'll bring your children. From the west, I'll gather you. I'll say to the north, give them back. And to the south, don't detain them. Bring my sons from far away and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name and whom I created for my glory, whom I have formed and made. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. Please have a seat. Um, part, of, part of why it's a bit more difficult to preach from the Old Testament has to do with context has to do with understanding the setting of what's being written when we read it. I think it's so important and, and try to spend time every week um, just giving a glimpse of, of where this text comes from in, in, in the long story that the Bible is telling us and leading us towards. I think it's important to just have a taste of that as we narrow in on, on one passage. Now, this passage comes to us today from 2nd Isaiah, not... First Isaiah. Now, if you look at your Bible, there's no number in front of Isaiah. It just says Isaiah. Uh, now, so let me, let, let me explain just a little bit. Isaiah, we know, was a prophet, right? He comes in the, in the prophetic texts of the Old Testament. Um, and Isaiah preached quite a bit uh, to the kingdom of Judah. He was, a, he was a prophet in the southern kingdom of Judah. Judah or Israel had been divided into two kingdoms by the time he came around, um, to the leaders of Jerusalem. And, and the first 39 chapters of Isaiah are really fairly consistent <laughs> in their message. Ugh, Israel, you're not doing great. Israel, you've misstepped. Israel, you've forgotten your first love. There's a sense of, of judgment over the steps that, that Judah had taken and, the, and that the leaders in Jerusalem had led the nation. And yet also this seed of hope that was planted throughout Isaiah's texts. And so for those first 39 chapters, we have this fairly consistent theme all the way through the book of Isaiah. Now, we know that Israel did fall. That was part of, that was part of Isaiah's preaching. Uh, Israel did fall, and Isaiah had said that um, the nations of Assyria and the nation of Babylon would come and would decimate uh, the country of Israel. The oracles, the prophecies that Isaiah had spoke had come to pass. 
Um, and primarily, Babylon had come in, um, took the nation of Israel into exile down to Babylon. But, however, this happens about 100 to 150 years after Isaiah had been prophet in the nation of Israel. So the question becomes, and so that first, before I get to the question, that first section of Israel really is, is first Isaiah, Isaiah 1 through 39. Really, it has this theme of, of judgment over Israel and, and caution Caution that Assyria was coming and caution that Babylon was coming, but with this seed of hope that all would be restored. And so that really kind of forms the first section of Isaiah. Now, Isaiah 40 through 66 to the end of the book is what I'm calling second Isaiah, our text today from Isaiah 43. If you look in your table of contents, you're not going to find first Isaiah and second Isaiah. But the question is, how did we get this second portion of scripture. Whose voice was it? Now, scholars are divided on this. There's no agreement. Some people said God could have told Isaiah what to write about um, after the nation came back. So Israel was, went, to, went to Babylon in exile. Eventually, they were, they were freed and a remnant returned and came back to Jerusalem, found the temple torn down, desecrated, the wall of Jerusalem completely destroyed. And under the leadership of Ezra and Nehemiah, the wall was rebuilt, the temple was restored, and Israel began to form its national identity again. So the question that, that remains in scholars is, did Isaiah give, was Isaiah given these texts to write kind of pre-knowledge, like before it was written? Or did the disciples of Isaiah continue to write and continue to, to, to speak on Isaiah's behalf? Um, and, and once Babylon did come in, and once the nation was brought into exile, and as the nation returned, did Isaiah's disciples begin to write um, this, this latter half of, of Isaiah where they're coming back to their nation and trying to find out who are they? What, what is this national identity? It had been so stripped away and, and so lost as they were in exile. What, what was their identity going to be as they returned to the promised land that had been given to them so many generations um, before? There's, there's talk of transition here. There's talk of hope and, and promise. Um, Nevertheless, this is the text before us today, this, this idea of, of who is the nation of Israel going to be as they return to this land that they had been promised. And so these passages of 2nd Isaiah, chapters 40 and later, start with this idea of, of the hope that, that Israel ought to have, the hope of, of this story, that they had been carried off as exiles, but that they got to return. And the hope was that Israel would become God's servant. Israel would, be, would, would testify to the faithfulness of God. For they had been exiled. They had lost their home. They had been stripped of everything that they knew identified them. And here they were back in their land. Look at what had happened. Did Israel become that voice? For the Lord. 
Not so much. <laughs> Not so much. They, they, they kind of got to complaining. They, they kind of got to accusing God. Um, God had forgotten us. God had forgotten us. God had ignored our plight, and, and they lost faith to some degree in Yahweh. And here we have in, in Isaiah 43, God making God's case to the nation of Israel, to this group that had lost its faith and lost its way for the years that they had spent in exile in Babylon. So what's the message that we require? What, what do we find out? What, what, do we, what do we understand the prophet to be saying here? We find the prophet reminding Israel of their identity, of whose they are. What does it say from the very beginning? It says, I, the Lord, am the one who created you. I, the Lord, am the one who formed you. Out of the very start of our text, the Lord lays down no question about the source of the people of Israel, about where they come from and about whose they are. I am the Lord your God. I am the Holy One of Israel. Certainly the Lord saw the people as they languished in exile, and surely it was the Lord who had brought them back. The other element of context for this week's scripture is found um, in the scripture reading that we had earlier in service that Gary read for us. Well, once the, the celebration of Christmas tide ends, we begin to mark off Sundays as the Sundays after Epiphany. First, second, third Sundays after Epiphany. And how many we get is based on where Easter falls on the calendar, which is a whole complex series of equations that involves the moon somehow. Um, but usually five to ten weeks uh, uh, after, after Epiphany, we have, we have Sundays after Epiphany before Ash Wednesday comes and we start the journey of Lent towards Holy Week. But the first Sunday after Christmas tide, the one that we're in today, is always recognized as the baptism of the Lord. There's always a text in the lectionary that, that, that celebrates and commemorates the baptism of Jesus Christ. And the question preachers get to answer on this Sunday, especially with the lectionary, is, is how, do these, how do these scriptures connect? How do they intersect? And for me, as I read and as I studied this week, the intersection point really comes in this concept of identity. Whose are we? Whose are we in our lives? We miss it sometimes, I think. Right? I mean, it's easy to pick on the Israelites <laughs> because we aren't them. Um, but, but they had been there as they returned back to Israel. They had put in the work. They had put in the time. Under Ezra and Nehemiah, they had done the hard work of rebuilding the wall, of fortifying the city, of saying, let's make this place inhabitable again. Let's make this our own space. Once again, they had strengthened their defenses. They had rebuilt the temple and put in the work. And I think to some degree that hard work and that investment 
perhaps help them lose a bit of that identity found in Christ. We, we like to revert back, um, kind of living life on our own, doing our own thing. Um, our empowered individualism is, is really important to us, right? Uh, culture says, says, I can do this. I can figure this out. Uh, I, I have an app for that. I, I can find a YouTube video about that, right? Get myself into more trouble when I'm trying to just fix something simple. Um, And the God, the God who had shaped and formed Israel spoke into their lives and said, you are mine. You are mine. I formed you. I created you. I brought you up into this land originally. And even as you left in exile, I brought you back for I did not forget you. I did not leave you on your own. Isaiah reminds us of our place in God's sight. He says our names are called by God. Uses the words precious, honored, loved. We are not lost. We are not forgotten. There is no mistake about the place in which we find ourselves. I think that's been one of the, the most difficult aspects of the last couple of years. Now, when I say last couple of years, you realize that's like the whole time I've been your pastor. So I'm not sure those are connected. Um, has more to do with some of what we faced as a, a nation and as a world. This whole time, while I've been your pastor, um, and sidebar, this week is my two-year review with the district superintendent, so hopefully the church board will be gentle. Um, and it, no, I'm really looking forward to the time that we have um, coming up um, in this review. But this, I feel like this time that, that I have a blue screen behind me. Uh, that was not planned. <laughs> Uh, again, all the it's just going to happen a couple of times here and there across the way, so don't worry about it. Um, I feel like over this time that that the culture of the world has kind of tried to drive us apart, separated us a bit, distance created between us out of necessity or out of precaution or out of hype. That's all for us to decide to some degree. And yet there's this important sense of, of knowing whose we are that grounds us, that gives us strength, that gives us purpose, that gives us direction in our lives. Maybe we've felt a little bit like Israel over these last years, cut off and alone and isolated from the support or the routines or the adventures that we are used to. And deep down inside of us, some of us have asked these questions. Where do we belong? Where, where do we belong? Who are we in our deepest and truest essence? Fortunately for us, fortunately for us in this text, that question does not go unanswered. 
And as we've read, it, not only for us, but also for Christ. Being, being paired with the baptism of Jesus, we begin to see how it points us back to this sense of identity. As we, as we heard, John had, had been getting everyone excited. John the Baptist had been out baptizing people, and, and people had said, maybe this is the guy. Maybe this is the one that we were waiting for. Maybe this is the promised Messiah. For they had waited generation after generation, century after century, believing the Messiah would come. And it was John the Baptist who said, oh no, no, that, that's not me. You've got the wrong guy. Don't look to me. He says, I'm not worthy to even loosen the straps of Messiah's sandals. But it says that in Luke, that even Jesus came to be baptized. Even Jesus submitted to the baptism of John. Carol Hess, who I read this week, said this, this reveals the full nature and the full extent of the incarnation of Jesus Christ. God came so low, God became so human that even Jesus Christ wandered out into the desert in the Jordan River to be baptized by John the Baptist. Fully human, Jesus Christ came and entered the water of, waters of baptism to identify with you and with me and all of humanity. It's in this passage that the connection between God and, and Christ becomes unmistakable. It says while praying, while, while, while Jesus Christ was praying in this event where that had to be so poignant, that had to be so meaningful for Christ and for John the Baptist, as he was baptized, it says, while he was praying, heaven opened, the Holy Spirit descended in physical form like a dove. And there was a voice from heaven, you are my son says in the NIV, whom I dearly love, with you I am well pleased. There was no question for those that heard, there was no question who Jesus Christ was, for identity had been determined, and it all came together. And it all came together as it does for us, the waters of, of baptism that we even celebrate today. in our own lives, but even back then in the life of Jesus is the same message that Israel was receiving back in the time of Isaiah 43. Despite our trouble, despite our wavering back and forth, despite those circumstances that, that, that knock us out of our rhythm, that make us question, what is this all about? Maybe lose our foundation of whose we are, despite all of that, in the waters of baptism, God marks us. God claims us as children. God seals God's love for us no matter what we might have done and what might happen. The truth is, there are moments in our lives where we can question that. The truth is, there are moments when we struggle. The truth is, we can begin to believe the lie that our identity is not quite settled and begin to question that. Maybe God 
might have forgotten us or disowned us or, or left us on our own. And Isaiah says, from the east to the west, from the north to the south, the children of God are gathered back to God. And the reality is, the truth is, no matter where you're from, no matter, your, where, no matter where you came from, this happened, this was said in Israel. Israel had, had these ideas about kind of protecting their own and the, and the foreigner and the outsider weren't to be trusted. The prophet Isaiah said, from the north and from the south, from the east and from the west, the children of God are gathered. No matter where you're from, no matter your heritage, no matter your history, no matter what's happened. And that's really tough to believe, even in 2022. Sometimes we struggle. Sometimes we say, man, preacher, you don't know what I've done. You don't know the life I live. Isaiah says, no matter where you're from and no matter where you're, what you're going through, we are all invited to this new identity to be called children of God and to live as children of God and heirs with Christ. Amen? Amen. I'm going to ask the praise team to come on up as, as we close. We're going to sing a, a final song. We have crossed that threshold from Christmas tide into the season of Epiphany. The baby Christ child is here. He has been welcomed, and, and this week we honor and recognize his baptism today. Baptism was like this, this point of entrance for God, that, that he had had this time of preparation. He served as an apprentice in his father's carpentry shop. But baptism was this point of entrance for him. From infancy and childhood and development and growth, we talked about this growth in favor with God and with man. This was his entrance point into his public ministry. This was the point where he began to, to walk the countryside and began to teach and to preach to the people of Israel. That's what identity does for us. That it grounds us. Gives us mission. Gives us a foundation to stand on, to go into the world in which we live and to begin to see the world as Christ does. The invitation for us is come. Come and identify as one of God's children. No matter your history, no matter your heritage, no matter your past, no matter what you've gone through, God wants you to know I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. I am the Lord your God, your Savior. You're precious and honored. And my great love is with you today. That's what it says in Isaiah. Let's pray this morning. Lord God, we worship and honor you today. This text that helps us to, to set and form our identity, to understand that we are yours. That if we choose to follow you, if we choose 
to repent of our sins and, and walk another way. The matter is settled. We are yours. I pray that we could live that way. Pray that we could live into that this week, this month, this year. Shape us and form us that way. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Do you believe that this morning? I believe that. Would you please stand to receive this morning's benediction, a benediction prayer that we extend our hands out just as a physical uh, affirmation that we receive this benediction this morning. Now the Lord, the one who created you, the one who formed you, the one who has redeemed you and called you by name says this, you are mine. May we, live into, may we live into that this day, this week, and all our days, we pray. Amen. Amen. Go in the love of Christ. Thanks for joining us today on the Mountain Home Church the Nazarene podcast. Don't forget to visit us at mhnazarene.org connect if you'd like to connect with us. And have a great week.